podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday, April the 8th, brought to you by epilindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield are a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, such as BBC iPlayer, American Netflix, whatever it may be. Liberty Shield can help you get where you want to be and, most importantly, keep your data safe. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. If you go to libertyshield.com, choose either the hardware or software package. Use the code EPL25, EPL25 at checkout. You get 25% off. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off all your football merchandising needs. Right, folks. It's a bad day. It's a sad day. It's my birthday. I am 40. And what I've decided to do, but this will come as a surprise to you all because you're all used to me being so happy so jovial, I've decided to become a grumpy old man. That's the new brand, same as the old brand. Let's get into it. Last night, Europa League football, some good games, some bad games. It was a bit of a mixed bag. Atalanta won, RB Leipzig won. Atalanta went one up to Luis Muriel and David Zabacosta own goal tied the game on 58 Atalanta were the better team in this game Leipzig had more of the ball and Kunku had some magnificent moments but I always felt like Atalanta just looked more of a threat on the counter their ability to transition is just phenomenal that one is really well set up for the second leg also really well set up for the second leg Eintracht Frankfurt versus Barcelona last night 1-1 Angsgar Nauf, who's I think on loan from Borussia Dortmund, I want to say, young wide player. He put Eintracht one up on 48. Ferran Torres equalized on 66. Barca had most of the ball. Eintracht carved them open on the counter and really should have won that game. Barca will be heavy favorites to go through in the second leg. Braga won, Rangers nil, Abel Ruiz with the only goal of the game, a deserved win for Braga, but going back to Ibrox for the second leg, I still think you'd favour Rangers with that home advantage to get through. And the final game, West Ham United won, Leon won, Aaron Cresswell sent off just before half time. West Ham fans are outraged by this. I think it's the right decision. West Ham fans seemed to believe they were wronged by the referee. There was a couple of questionable free kicks in that, but I didn't feel like they were 
in any way bad, badly treated. It, overall, I didn't feel like they were badly treated. Um, Jared Bone put West Ham one up on 52. Tangai Endembele with the equaliser on 66. Going to Leon for the second leg, you'd have to fancy Leon. But, but you're not writing West Ham off. Not this season. Not this season. And West Ham have Sufal to come back into that team. He improves them defensively. They'll have to make a decision on Cresswell for a replacement. I would assume Ben Johnson slides across and plays left back. I thought Ariola showed last night why he should be their first choice keeper, though. I thought he was very, very good. So all of those games, all of those ties are really well set up for next week. Next Thursday, the 14th of April, Atalanta versus Leipzig will again be the early game. The other three will be 8 p.m. kickoffs. They're all really finely balanced and should be a lot of fun. In the Europa Conference League, for those that care, Feyenoord drew 3-3 with Slavia Prague. Sinistera, young Colombian, really talented player, put Feyenoord one up. Oli Inca and Yirasor made a 2-1 Slavia. And in the last 15 minutes, or last 20 minutes, I suppose, including the stoppage time, were mental. Sinisi made a 2-2. Koku made a 3-2 to Feyenoord. And then Traore in the 95th minute made a 3-3. That one should be a lot of fun in the second leg. Feyenoord's games are mental. Absolutely mental. Marseille 2, PAOK 1. Gerson put Marseille 1 up. Dimitri Payet scored the single best goal you are going to see this season. You will probably in the rest of your lives never see a ball struck as well as this Dimitri Payet goal. It's a Marseille corner. He stood 10 yards outside the penalty area. The ball is clipped back to him. It bounces once. He steps into it and meets it on the on the half volley. And it is an absolute rocket off his right foot. They go, you could have put five goalkeepers in and they weren't saving this. This is as sensational a goal as you're ever going to see. Make sure you go and find that goal on YouTube. Dimitri Payet goal. It'll be the first one that comes up. It is unbelievable. The ball just explodes off his foot. And What's weird about it is it travels about 15 yards and then seems to get a second explosion and speeds up even more. It is incredible. Dimitri Payet should have had a much better career. If he'd moved to the Premier League when he was leaving St. Etienne, rather than going to Lille and Marseille the first time, it didn't have to be the Premier League if he'd gone to La Liga or even Serie A and had 10 years in one of those top three leagues. I think we'd have him in, in different conversations. Such an incredibly gifted player, as pure a striker of the ball as you'll ever see. He was talking about free kick takers the other day, yesterday, yesterday. And he's right in the mix. Right up there with the best modern-day free kick takers. He's up there with the Zolas and the Del Pieros and the Ward Prouses of the world. But his ability in open play is substantially better than Ward-Prowse, who, by the way, 
Has anyone looked at his statistics? I saw them today. James Ward-Prowse, outside of free kicks and corners, does two things well. He passes it backwards really well, and he lumps it long a lot. Of the 74 midfielders who qualify for progressive passing numbers across the season, I think it's over 500 minutes, he's 73rd in progressive passing. The only one below him is Connor Gallagher, who plays a more advanced position. Anyway, this wasn't meant to be a James Ward-Prowse slander. Dimitri Payet is as good a striker of the ball as you'll ever see. Uh, Gerson was sent off on in ninety four in the ninety fourth minute, and that one will be well balanced as they head back to Greece for the second leg. Bodo glimped one, no Bodo glimped two. Roma won. Roma went one up through Pellegrini, Saltness, and Veltesen with the goals to give Bodo the win. It's a better result for Roma than people think because they lost five one there. Was it five one or six one there? earlier in the season. So this is an improvement. And I would fancy Roma to get through with the second leg at home. And the last game then, Leicester City nil, PSV Eindhoven nil. Given that that game was at the King Power, I think you'd have to make PSV favourites to get through. That's a good PSV team. There's some really good players in that team. There's some experienced players. There's a lot of talent. I really like that right back, Maro Jr. I think he's got a big future. Ibrahim Sanger and Joey Verman in midfield. They paid 15 million for the pair of them. They'll easily get 45 for the pair when they sell. The two wide players, Noni Mudeki and Cody Gakbo, sensational. I would have liked to have seen Carlos Vinicius start last night instead of Zahivi. I'm not a big Zahivi fan. Or Zahavi fan. Zahavi? Zahavi? Zahavi. Not a big fan. Mauro Gotza playing in midfield. He's well past his best. There's a couple of players there who are questionable. But I think for the most part, that's a really talented squad. A big fan of those, especially Noni. Noni's exceptional. And Sanger and Vermin in midfield, really, really good players. Really, really good players. That's a bit of a missed opportunity for Leicester, who would have been hoping to have a couple of goal advantage going into the second leg. Leicester should win this competition. Like, they're the most talented team in the competition. The issue is... Well, they're managed by Brendan Rodgers, who's appalling in Europe. The Manchester City scandal continues to look worse and worse. Uh, these documents shown in the latest Der Spiegel report on them is genuinely staggering. The scale of cheating is... Absolutely incredible. Illegal payments for underage players, hidden salary payments made to a former manager. I'm sure if they looked, hidden salary payments made to players. 
inflated sponsorship deals, which we knew about anyway. I mean, City haven't even tried to hide the fact that they're falsely inflating their sponsorship. You kind of have to give them a pat on the back and say, look, to be that brazen, fair play, to just refuse to cooperate with investigations, fair play. But nobody, and I mean nobody, can actually believe that Manchester City are the number one commercial club in the world. Nobody can believe that. They can't even fill their stadium. They give away tickets for Champions League matches. They're in the same city as Manchester United, who are a commercial monster. Regardless of where United are finishing, United are, as a brand, the number one brand in English football. After Real Madrid and Barcelona, United are the number one brand in world football. So so they're number three. They're number three. But that's who they are. You've also got Liverpool just down the, the road, who are the number two brand in English football, and probably, I would say, number five in Europe. Real, Barca, United, Bayern, and then Liverpool. I think Liverpool are are closing in on the others, but I still think they're about number five. City aren't anywhere close to that. I mean, they're not a bigger club than Arsenal. They're not a bigger club than Chelsea. They're not a bigger club than Spurs. They're not a bigger club than Aston Villa. If they were, they'd fill their stadium. And yet they jumped from number six in the world, which was nonsense to begin with, to number one in the world, which again is nonsense, in a pandemic when nobody was making money. Magnificent. Let's do the gossip. We'll take the break and get Mr. Drinkle in to go through the weekend's games. Manchester United are prepared to break their transfer record to sign Declan Rice. They will have to break their transfer record to sign Declan Rice because West Ham want an obscene amount of money. Uh, Shout out to Jack Grealish. Um, some very, very interesting tweets yesterday. Uh, it is difficult to see a man at such a young age losing control of his faculties. Uh, Manchester United are working on a deal to sign Calvin Phillips. I don't believe that they are because their manager is not yet in place. They've not actually made an official decision. They may be close to a decision. They may be close to an appointment, but I don't think they're going to be working on any deals until said appointment is made. The Old Trafford Club have told six players they can leave this summer. Let's have a guess at who. Lingard will be one. He's at a contract. Pogba will be another. He's at a contract. I would guess Lee Grant might be one. Uh, he won't bring in any money because he's a 37-year-old fourth or fifth choice keeper. Good for quota, though. He'll get a job in the Premier League if he wants to stick around. Phil Jones might be one of them. Juan Mata might be one of them. Cavani is probably one of them. Lee Grant is 39. Fair play. He's been at United four years. He's played two games. Fair play. Nemanja Matic might be one of them. Of those on loan, Anthony Martial is probably the only one they can actually... 
Anthony Martial and Donny van der Beek, but if it is Ted Hag, he'll probably want to keep Donny. You'd imagine Andreas Pereira will be sold. He might bring in a few quid. There's not a whole lot of money to be made by moving on these United players because, you know, the ones that cost them a lot, like Maguire and Wan-Bissaka, their value's in the toilet. Um, Paris Saint-Germain have offered Kylian Mbappe 150 million euro for two seasons to stay with them. So that's 75 million euro a year, which is about 63 million great British pounds a year. In fairness, he should probably do it because he'll only be 25 when that contract runs out. All PSG really care about is keeping him until after the World Cup. It wouldn't actually surprise me if post-World Cup, we start to hear that PSG are for sale, um, that the Qataris are like, well, that's our job done. Let's go do something else with all our billions. And they go invest in Formula One or something. Um, he, he might be better off taking that. Like, Real aren't giving him that money. So maybe he is worth taking them. FFP, firmly in the bin. Manchester United sent scouts to watch Arnaud Danjuma against Bayern Munich on Wednesday. Why would you buy him when you've just bought Jaden Sancho? Seriously. Brazil are prepared to offer Pep Guardiola a huge salary to become the country's national team manager. That has been rumoured for a while that he does want to go and manage Brazil and that he is leaving City in 2023. So we'll wait and see. Frank Lampard has the support of club owner Farhad Mashiri and the Goodison Park Club's board. Well... That's a damning indictment. Newcastle and West Ham are keen to sign Union Berlin and Norwich striker Teo Awanyi. He's actually the perfect signing for West Ham. He actually is the perfect Antonio backup slash replacement who will mean they can play the same way. Arsenal, Manchester United and Tottenham have been told it will cost them £67 million if they want to sign Darwin Nunes. Arsenal are keen on Ezri Konza. He's better than the centre-backs they have now. Wolves have identified João Polina as an ideal recruit should Ruben Neves leave this summer. He's a very different type of player. Different type of holding midfielder. Leeds and Brighton are keen to sign Eddie Nketiah. I don't think he'll go back to Leeds, given how it went the first time on the loan. I think he could go to Brighton, though. Josko Gvardiol has emerged as a target for Tottenham. He's perfect. He's absolutely perfect for the left side of their back three. Aston Villa have shown renewed interest in Yves Basuma. He makes a lot of sense for them. They're not going to get Calvin Phillips. Basuma would be a very good signing. Spurs are keen to agree a deal to take Christian Eriksen back to the club. If I was him, I'd stay where I was. Brentford gave you the chance to come back. Stay where you are. Fabio Carvalho has agreed to move to Liverpool. He has. Deal is done. Fabrizio Romano did not break that news. David Lynch did. Um, Newcastle manager Eddie Howe says Alan St. Maximum has a future at the club despite links with a move away. Newcastle have shown interest in Paolo Dybala. I think he'll go to Inter Milan. Barcelona and Wolves. Could agree a swap deal that would see Adama Traore make his loan move to Barcelona permanent, allowing Francisco Trinquiao to do the same at Wolves. 
that that works for Wolves. It really does work for Wolves. Uh, Luis Suarez is in talks with Fenerbahce and Besiktas. Suarez would do well in Turkey for a couple of years. Why not? Might as well go live the life. Bayern Munich and Poland striker Robert Lewandowski wants a three-year contract if he's to join Barcelona this summer. Paris Saint-Germain are considering a move for Richarlison. There's never been a club in the history of the world who've spent as much money badly as PSG. Even, even Manchester United have not done that. Jesus wept. Richarlison, likely as a replacement for Mbappe. No, no, it's fine. I don't like my Ferrari anymore. Here's my 1993 Toyota Corolla, 1.4 litre hatchback bundle. Um, Emerson Royal says Atletico Madrid have shown interest in signing him this summer. They could do it right back. They were linked in the past. Real Betis are planning talks with Arsenal to turn Hector Bellerin's loan into a permanent deal. Makes sense. He wants to go and stay there. Uh, Manchester United want Marcus Rashford to stay at the club, but PSG, Atletico and Barcelona. Barcelona! and Will you stop? Stop! Villarreal are to hold talks with Tottenham over extending the loan of Giovanni Lo Celso for next season. If they do that, Spurs need to include a obligation to buy. And they need to do the same if they have to loan Endembele out again as well. Obligation to buy. No more options. Um, right, we'll take a break. And when we come back, I'll be joined by Mr. Guy Drinkle. And we will run through the 10 Premier League matches of the weekend. We will see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. I'm joined by the one and only Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am not 40, Dave. How are you? Well. <laughs> I'm sorry. And that's us for today. We'll yeah. see you all on Monday. Um, I'm good. I am good. I am good. I, I'm going to embrace... I am going to embrace this opportunity to become a grumpy old man. Good. I expect as nothing less. To, as opposed to the grumpy young man I was yesterday. <laughs> um <laughs> Right, we've got 10 games. Let's rattle through them. We do. We first have a Friday night game, which is always nice. We have Newcastle against Wolves. Um, I just check the results. I think, feel like Newcastle have not gone off the boil, but well, they have kind of three losses in a row. I mean, two of the games you'd expect to lose, but mm-hmm. three losses in a row, whereas Wolves are mixed form, but three wins out of the last five. I, I feel like Wolves should win this, but we don't know with Newcastle, really, if they can come back from a spell of form, because as soon as Eddie Howe came in, it was good form till now, really. Yeah, they're a strange team. They're they're like a bad version of Southampton. You don't really know what you're going to get. Uh, now, ahead of tonight's game, no Callum Wilson, no Kieran Trippier, Hayden and Lewis obviously done for the season, and Joe Willock is a doubt. For Wolves, no Ruben Neves. They're 
unsure if he'll be back at all this season. Uh, Raul Jimenez is suspended and Key Yana Hoover is back in training, but not yet ready to play. They're hopeful he'll be back for the next game. I've got a new technique here. Mark Lawrenson does his predictions on the BBC. This week, he's got uh, some band on called The Blossoms. Never heard of them. Apparently, they're an indie band. They're two, they're, they're Man City fans, though. So we're going to take what they say and we're going to try and go against it. So Laurel's gone 2-0 to Wolves and the two City fans, Tom and Joe, they've gone 1-1, both of them. So I'm going to go 1-0. They've gone 1-0, sorry, to, to Newcastle. I'm going to go 1-0 to Wolves. 1-0 to Wolves, typical Wolves performance, get a goal and just put the game to bed. No need for anything fancy. No need for a second goal. We'll go 1-0 Wolves. Before we move on, do you think Wolves should just run with Fabio Silva for the rest of the season? Yes. He was yes. good the uh, last game, wasn't he? If I, I would like to see them go with Trinkio, Silva and Neto as a front three and see what they have in that front three mm. over the remainder of the season. I think Bruno Lage would like to play a back for next season. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be against seeing him try a 4-2-3-1 between now and the, re- the end of the season. Try Pedence as your 10, Trinkia right, Neto left, and Fabio Silva up front and see what you have. You can go Den Donker and Moutinho in midfield. That'll be fine. You do have an issue at centre-back in that Connor Cody's not very good in a back, back four setting. But you might as well try it out. Go Semedo, Cody, Kilman, and Aitnuri, or or you can play Johnny either side, but I do prefer Aitnuri. Because if it works, if it works, all you'd really need to do to upgrade that team, if you keep Neves, you bring him back in, and you buy a centre-back to replace Connor Cody. And maybe you need a midfielder to replace Matinho, depending on whether he stays or not. Yeah, but you wouldn't need a whole lot if Fabio Silva turns out to be good enough. Yeah, and if you find like a little Kante or something, it's like Chelsea's midfield under Conte, isn't it? Kind exactly, of? exactly. So you can make it work. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, they'll find someone in Portugal that can do that job. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Carvalho, Danilo, they all... can't look anywhere else, but yeah, exactly. they, can, they can find someone in Portugal. Les Mendes signs random people again. <laughs> um but yeah, that, that that Friday night games are usually quite fun anyway. But what are we calling this? The Depression Derby? Um, Everton against Man United? The David Moyes Derby? Yes. Oh, yes. It could be the Phil, the Phil, Phil Neville, Neville Derby. Phil Neville. Yeah. Yeah. Because at least Moyes was good forever. Louis Saha Derby. Phil, Phil Neville's mediocre for both. Yeah. Um, no, Louis Saha Derby, that's, that's officially... Fulham Everton United oh Fulham Everton's a good one because United Fulham would have to be the Van der Sar derby yeah so yeah Fulham Everton next season if Everton are in the division which doesn't look likely (laughs) will be the Louis Saha derby Um, Everton United so United have won two of their last five only the one defeat Everton have lost four of their last five um Everton come into this game 
with no Nathan Patterson, Yerry Mina a doubt, Donny van de Beek a doubt, Michael Keane suspended. No, Michael Keane is back. Good news, oh. Michael Keane is back. Is that good news? It's good news for United. Well, yeah, that's true. Alan is back. Andre Gomes is a doubt. Tom Davies is out. Andros Townsend is out. So lots of issues for Everton. Uh, for United, Cristiano had the flu, but they're hopeful he'll be okay. Luke Shaw, they're hopeful he'll be okay. Jesse Lingard should be back. Uh, Mason Greenwood is unavailable. And um, Edinson Gavani doesn't want to play anymore. So he's just not available. Yeah. This game smells of either Everton winning like in a mad game somehow or Ronaldo scoring five by just standing yes. still in the box. Yes, and I think that's what's going to happen. So Lawrenson went 1-1, Tom went 2-1 Everton, and Joe went 1-1. I'm going 3-1 United. Mm. I think United will win this game. Regardless of form, there's a massive talent disparity here. And I'm really not sure that United are going to that sorry that Everton are going to be able to cope with Bruno and Sancho, regardless of how well they're playing. Those two can open up a game, so I'm going to go three one United. Yeah, and uh, Everton can't play Van der Beek either, can they? So no, that's midfield. I mean, I might actually have to play Deli Ali, um, which would be fun. But yeah, that that should be a. It's going to be funny one way or the other. Um, but yeah. Uh, next up, Arsenal against Brighton. This has kind of got a bit of history. Mope and Basuma laughing at Arsenal all the time. Yeah. Being the Esther of that Mope is especially. Um, but Arsenal, I mean, they need to bounce back after, well, Palace literally battered them. Um, mm. But if they don't win this, especially the way Brighton have been playing, and the game in hand is Chelsea, isn't it? And yep. Spurs, they just simply have to win this. But can they bounce back from a loss? It's it's interesting. See, that's the thing. They, we'll see now how they react. Like losing, it's one thing losing to Liverpool or City. They expect to lose those games. It's another thing when you get walloped by uh, a Crystal Palace to see how you react. So Arsenal will have no Thomas Partey. No Kieran Tierney and no uh, Tommy Asu. No Partey, no Tierney, no Tommy Asu. Nicholas Pepe, they're, they're hopeful he'll recover from the virus he has. That's three huge players to be good. Yeah, that's the thing. That's three. And they don't have much depth. Mm. So we're looking at Cedric and Tavares at fullback trying to cope with Cucurella and Lamptey. That doesn't fill me with confidence. Uh, Brighton have no Webster, which is a huge blow. He's obviously mm-hmm. been out for a good while now. They're hopeful he'll be back soon, but this game probably comes too quick. No Casado, he's ill, and no Jakob Moder, um, he's out for a while. He that's such a shame because he is uh, he was playing so well. He seemed to be a goal for it for him as well. Exactly what they were look what they were lacking. Like you said, there is there is history between this between Mope and Basuma on that side. It all started with Guendouzi, and this is actually the reason. It's, it's Arsenal versus Brighton is the reason Guendouzi currently plays for Marseille and it's going to be sold there. This is where he really stepped out of line and he was laughing at the Brighton players about how much more money he earned than they earned and uh, everybody hmm. just realised he was a bit of an asshole. 
Arsenal should win this game because they're at home and they're a better team. Mm. But they are missing three massive players and I don't know how they're going to react to what happened to them on Monday night. Now, Lawrenson went 2-0. Uh, the other two boys went 2-0 and 3-0, all in favour of Arsenal. I do think Arsenal win. I'll go 2-1 to the Gunners. But a draw would not surprise me at all. Yeah, Brighton don't get spanked unless they are missing both Duncan Webster, do they? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think the 3-0 is a bit... You probably will end 3-0, I've said that. But um, that, that's the aim of this show. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that should be one for a good one for match of the day. Uh, moving on then, Southampton-Chelsea. Now, we mentioned Southampton. We, we don't know. There's no point talking about them. But Chelsea, good Lord, last two games, I mean, Brentford battered them and Ben Zemmer literally took the mick out of them. Um, mm. I, it, I mean, uh, Tuchel mentioned in his post-match of the Real Madrid game, they need to bounce back here. And I kind of agree with him because if you're going into Real Madrid's second leg, which is still winnable... Yeah, losing to South, losing to this Southampton team, which is a flip of a coin. It, it's not great, and he's just doing weird things like Loftus cheeks all of a sudden came back into existence, playing back four randomly. It, it's not like they've not had the options there. Malang has been fit all the time. Saul's been fit all the time. It's just some very odd decisions from him. Yeah, it looks a bit like he's sort of struggling to figure out what to do here. Because he's only got so much he can do with the current defensive options. Like I've said it before, only Christensen can play in a back four of those centre backs. Silva is a joke in a centre in a back four. Rudiger, I mean, when Rudiger was playing regularly in a back four, he couldn't get in the team because Kurt Zuma was better than him, and they were looking to sell Rudiger. So this notion that Rudiger is one of the best defenders in the world is absolute nonsense. Um, and I think Tuchel wants to play a back four because that's how his attacking setup works best. But he has no real choice at Chelsea. He has to play a back three. And if Reese James isn't 100% fit, they've got no option at right wing back because Aspie de Quetta is not a wing back. You could play Callum Hudson-Odoi there, but he's injured at the minute. Mm. They've got no Ben Chilwell, so if it's Marcus Alonso or nobody... Um, you could play Saul there, but again, it's not his role. He can do a job for you, but it's not his role. Mm. This weekend, Lukaku and Zayic are also doubts for them. Southampton, Broya can't play, which is a big blow. Mm. Lianku is back, but won't be ready for this game. Shane Long is a doubt. That's not really a, a blow. Although Shane Long is the type of... He loves scoring against good teams. He's the real <laughs> pest who'd really wreck Thiago Silva's head. Alex McCarthy's back in training, but Forster will remain number one. Uh, what have we got from these gentlemen? So, Lawrenson went 2-1 Chelsea. Tom went 3-3. Sorry, 3-0 Chelsea. And Joe went 1-0 Southampton. I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. I think 2-0 mm. Chelsea. I think they'll win the game. I don't think it'll be a particularly good game. But without Brogia up front, it's hard to see where Shea a goal Adams comes and from. Maybe Armstrong you know, gets a run or something. The ball's not really going to stick to them. No. So I'll go 2-0 to Southampton. Yeah, uh, to Chelsea, do you mean? Oh, sorry, to Chelsea, yeah. I was going to say, he's gone brave there. Um, but yeah, I'd probably agree. 
it's almost the I say almost the perfect opposition for Chelsea to bounce back, but Southampton can just click and be mental. So yeah. Uh, next up, a huge game at the bottom of the table. Watford leads. Watford can drag leads back in. And I know they've improved structurally, especially leads, but Watford. I mean, they made it difficult for Liverpool in patches, but Liverpool probably always win in that game. But, mm. yeah, it, it feels like a winnable game for Watford. That's probably a hard word. If Watford play like they did against Liverpool, they'll win this game. They're almost fully back to a full-strength squad. Only Quadro Bar, who's still working his way back from that nasty ankle injury, and Nicholas and Kulu, who's just lacking match fitness, are likely to miss out here. Uh, for Leeds... No Tyler Roberts, no Bamford, no Firpo, no Shackleton. Gellhart's a doubt, and Leo Hiel should be back, but we'll wait and see. Um, I am going for the Watford win here. I don't really care what the others say. So they, Lawrenson has gone 2-1 Leeds. The other two lads went 1-0 Watford. I'll go 2-1 Watford. I do think it's a winnable game for them at home. I think they'll have some confidence coming off the Liverpool game, even though it was a defeat, because they did play well, and defensively they looked a lot better than they have done for most of the season. Leeds have improved under Jesse Marsh, but I still think they're going to be hit and miss till the end of the season. I think this is a win for Watford, which will draw them level on points with Everton and close the goal difference from what's now... my They have Everton... Have an eight-goal advantage. After this week weekend, I think it'll be a five-goal advantage, but level on points. I'm going Watford 2-1. Yeah, it's an absolutely massive game. Um, I'm surprised it's not on telly, but there is another relegation six-pointer on telly, to be fair, isn't there? Uh, now, I don't know why this one's on telly, because it seems almost pointless. Villa against Spurs. I, I know it's for the top four race, but it just seems strange to me. Villa are awful at the minute. Mm. And Spurs are good at the minute. So, in Spurs' logic, how much are Villa winning by? Yes, so that, that is generally what happens <laughs> here. Spurs have won three in a row. Villa have lost three in a row. Therefore, based on how these teams perform, Villa should win this one 4-0. Um, Danny Ings is a doubt. Luca Dina is a doubt. Courtney House is a doubt. Marvis Nakamba is still out for Spur, for Villa. For Spurs, no Tanganga. He's done for the season. But Regulon is back. Sessignon's back in training, but probably won't be ready for this one. Ollie Skip remains out injured. Um, Form-wise, obviously, Spurs are in a, in a good run. All three of these have gone for a Spurs win. Laurel and Tom both went 2-1. Joe went 2-0. I do think Spurs will win the game. I think they'll win it 3-1. I think they'll win by a couple of clear goals. But it would be no surprise at all if Villa won this game. It would be the most Spurs thing in the world to lose this one after all the hard work they've put in to get into the top four. It would be no surprise to see them make a mess of it. But I'll back Spurs to win the game. I'll back them to win it 3-1. Yeah, you have to really, but then you just, on Monday, we discuss, well, it's Spurs. Mm. Um, moving on to Sunday then, uh, first game alphabetically, we have Brentford against West Ham. Yeah, 
I mean, it feels like West Ham's Premier League season's just kind of there now. I know they can still get top four and obviously want to stay in Europe, but I mean, they're tied against Lyon's in the balance still, but there's bigger games ahead if they do get for the, they're on Barcelona side of the draw, aren't they? Mm. If I remember correctly. So, I, I mean, it doesn't, it feels like this doesn't really matter. I know Brentford have improved of late, but yeah, West Ham surely got to rest a few people. I mean, Owen's just come back, Antonio needs protecting. That's the thing. Like you, you would expect them to, but they haven't done it so far. It's a bizarre. Like they've got such a small squad when it comes to real Premier League caliber players. Like they don't have any depth at centre back now, other than Diop. Um, they've no depth at left back at all. Ben Johnson had to go there last night when when Cresswell mm-hmm. got sent off. They've no real depth in midfield because he won't play Alex Kral for whatever bizarre reason. They've no depth up front. It does just kind of have to keep rolling with these groups. January was such a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like th- what. What really annoyed me as well was they went big game hunting in January for players that weren't going to join them. Like mm-hmm. Calvin Phillips was not joining them. Rafinha was not joining them. Darwin Nunes was not joining them. They weren't getting those players. How do you offer but, like hundred mil and get no one? But stupid. that's the thing. Like the offers they were making. The, the 45 million they offered for Darwin Nunes mm. could have got them three good players. Like you could have bought three players that will actually help you. You could have gone and got a decent backup left back to potentially be a successor to Cresswell as the starting left back. Mm. You could have gone and got a decent backup striker. You could have, say, Tail Wani. You could have bought him. Yeah. Um, and then you could have gone and got a little bit of help in midfield. You know, you could have dipped into championship maybe for a John Swift or someone and got a bit of help in the field. And instead, like, they're throwing money about. No, and I I don't know that it wasn't a case where they knew they weren't getting those players. They just wanted the headlines. It was the the owners wanted the look how hard we're trying while not actually have any intention of getting the players. Because you know, you need another attacker. You could have gone and bought um Oh, there's so many they could have gone about. Like, there was so many options out there. There was Adam Plazek w- w- would jump at the chance to join West Ham. You could have gone and got him for probably 20 million. He'd have been a big help. You know, there was loads of options and, and they made an absolute mess of it. They, I think they need to win this game though, because I don't think they get by Leon. I, I way to Leon mm. is going to be really difficult. Leon have really back, good players. Man. No left back in the game. It wouldn't surprise me if they went out. Even if they get through, you've still got to get through probably Barcelona over two legs. That's going to be a nightmare. And then in the final, you play whoever comes through from the other side. It could be Leipzig. It could be Atalanta. Like getting Champions League or even Europa League football is going to be difficult for them unless they qualify through the Premier League. So I think they've got to try and stay in the top six. I have United winning this weekend. So I think West Ham need to win because I've also got Tottenham and Arsenal winning. I've got Wolves winning. So unless they want to finish the weekend in eighth, they'll they'll need to pick up a result here. Um, Going into the game, no Lanzini, no Ogbonna. For Brentford, no De Silva, no Jan Veer. That's fine. 
Brentford have won three of their last four and turned their season around and, and look like they should be safe. I'll, I'll go... What have these lads gone? Lawrenson went 2-1 to... Brentford, the other two boys, went 2-0 and 1-0 to West Ham. I'll go 2-1 to West Ham then, to be different from them. 2-1 to West Ham. A draw wouldn't surprise me, though. No. A draw tired. would be no surprise at all. Yeah. A draw keeps them seventh, I think. If the results go the, the way I've predicted, a draw would keep them seventh uh, on goal yeah, difference be. over Wolves. Yeah. Yeah, so well, a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw wouldn't be a surprise. But I, do you know what? You're I'll go a draw. I'll go 1-1. Yeah. I'll go the draw. I think you're right. It does seem like a, a because I think Ivan Tony will have himself some fun against Dawson. Didn't Brentford beat West Ham earlier this season? Or did they get a draw earlier this Rings season? A bell, yeah. Let's see. Brentford 21-22. I think they beat them at the London Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Um yeah, they beat them 2-1. They were they went one up through Mbomo. Bowen scored on 80 and Wissa scored in the 94th minute. It was the week after the Liverpool game. Yeah. Where he also scored a late goal. So yeah, I'll go, I'll go the draw here. I'll go 2-2. Yeah, should be an interesting one. Uh again, almost similar. Obviously, the battle for the mid-table, it's not really the most important, but Leicester against Crystal Palace. I mean, Leicester. Have got their defence back, um, mm. which helps. Probably should have won last week against United, let's be honest. Um, and Palace, as he said earlier, battered Arsenal. So this should be a fun game, to be honest. You've also got the fact that Leicester have the PSV second leg next yeah, week. Yeah, true. Yeah. So they might rotate a little bit here. Now, no Bertrand, no Danny Ward, no Jamie Vardy. Ayosi Perez and Samare a doubt. Sayuncu should be back. But that's still a lot of players with, with some injuries. Um, for Palace, Elise is back in training. I reckon he'll probably be on the bench for this one. They'll keep him for the Cup semi-final. Nathan Ferguson, they're hopeful he'll be back in training this week, but he won't play in this game. Um, Palace will be very confident, unbeaten in five, three wins out of those five. But Leicester have also won three out of five. And they have turned things around a little bit. The gentlemen have gone 2-0 Palace, 1-1, and a 2-1 Palace. I, I think I'm going to go the Leicester win. I'm not confident in it, though. Do you know what? I'll go 2-2. I'll go 2-2. I think, it'll, I think it's going to be a fun game. I do think this will be a good game of football. Both aggressive sides, both want to play properly. There's only goal difference separating them, both of 37 points. I'll go the draw. I'll go 2-2. Would these two be your favourite to get ninth? Um, Leicester have two games in hand, which oh, I, yeah, know, I think course, one, yeah. one of them is against Everton. So that's win. three points. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think Leicester should get ninth. Yeah. But should and do is a different thing. And they're a Johnny Evans injury away from going back to where they were. That's the thing. Like they're they're just like Johnny Evans is a decent centre back at this point. He was good, he was never great. He but now he's just decent, but he's the only one that seems to have a voice in that back line. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go the draw, but yeah, I do think Leicester will finish ninth. Yeah, it should be. Well, it'd be interesting. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but maybe ninth, considering the injury and stuff, isn't awful from Leicester. But where they were the last few seasons, not too good, but salvageable is probably the word. Uh, now the ne- the two big fixtures of the weekend. I probably throw in Watford leads with this two, these two as well, but. Norwich, Burnley, the real relegation six-pointer, whereas, well, Norwich are kind of gone, aren't they? But Burnley, the mad win over Everton midweek. Two wins in a row for Burnley, is that, can you predict that? Is it possible to predict that? But they need to win. I don't even think a draw is good enough, really. <sighs> I think Burnley need the victory here. A draw takes them out of the bottom three. Because I have Everton losing. So a draw here takes them out of the bottom three. They'll know, they'll have a better understanding of what they really need when they see the Everton game early on the Saturday. This game is obviously on Sunday. I do fancy Burnley to win this one. So going into it, Burnley, no Ben Mee, no Peters, no Goodmanson. Me should be back next weekend, which will be a help. Uh, Norwich, though, lots of issues. So no Quebec. No Oma Bamadeli, no Ida, Placheta is hurt. Lucas Rope, Max Ahrens, and Brandon Williams are all doubts. They're back in training, but it remains to be seen. And Josh Sargent is a major doubt. So that's a lot of players potentially missing. Norwich are dreadful at the minute. They did obviously get their draw last week against Brighton but they'd lost six in a row before that. Burnley had been dreadful, but they got that huge win over Everton. I'm going to back Burnley to carry on that momentum. Now, all three of these have gone for a 2-0 Burnley win, so that means I'm going to go for a 1-0 Burnley (laughs) win. Veghorst with the only goal of the game. Now, Burnley, a new team now. They only win 3-2. It's going to be mental again. Sean Dyche apparently furious. Not that they conceded two, but that they scored three. Absolutely. That's three games worth of goals. Just flittered away right there. That's a season's worth of goals this year. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that is a huge game. It should be, well, hopefully for Burnley's sake they do. And well, if you want Everton relegated, it'll be funny. Um, The big one. Man City, Liverpool. I both had midweek Champions League fixtures. Form-wise in the Premier League, Liverpool, they've won the last five. I know it goes longer than that. I can't remember the exact number. In the last five, City lost one, drew one, won the other three. Um, But it it is the big one. This has been the game in the Premier League for the, well, since Pep and Klopp have kind of took over the league, really, even before that, Mm. um, when they were going for the Invincible season. I think we were the one who stopped it, weren't we? Um, but yeah, it, it it's going to be, well, if you're a neutral, it's probably one you're looking forward to watching. Whereas me as a Liverpool fan, nervous as anything. How are you feeling ahead of it? Yeah, nervous is exactly the word. Um, I saw Jamie Carragher say he thinks this is the best rivalry the Premier League has ever seen. I think from a quality point of view, you could make that argument. Hmm. But, I mean, it's not really a patch on United-Arsenal from, like, 96 to 03-04. It's not up there with that because there isn't the real hatred between the teams. 
the fan bases don't like each other. That was also the case with Arsenal and um, United. But the teams don't really seem to have any real dislike for each other. Whereas the United players hated the Arsenal players and the Arsenal players hated the United players. You had that Keane versus Vieira battle. Mm. You had Ferguson and Wenger couldn't stand each other. Now, I, I know that in later years, they became actually quite good friends once the rivalry was sort of subsided. But every so often it would flare back up and there'd be tension. There isn't that with Pep and Klopp. They've, they're, they've seen friends, if anything. They're <laughs> lovely about each other. They couldn't be nicer. Klopp says Pep's the best coach in the world. Pep loads Klopp. Like, says it, this is not what I want to see. It's the best team he's ever played against. And stuff like that, Give him a slap. I want to see, <laughs> see ructions. Um, it's a great rivalry. And obviously the, the calibre between the two teams over the last four years has been incredible. Since the start of 18-19, only one point separating the two teams which is amazing when you consider that Liverpool basically lost all of last season through the injuries. Um, City have no Ruben Diaz or major doubts over Ruben Diaz for this weekend. Definitely playing. It would be no surprise if he's named in the starting 11. Uh, Mendy is obviously unavailable and Cole Palmer is injured, so but he wouldn't be playing. So Diaz is the one. Liverpool have everybody fit. Everybody is fit. So something's happened before. Kate. Something, yes. Thiago's getting hurt in the warm up or something. Um, Lawrence and went 2 2. Tom and Joe, both City fans, went 1 0 and 2 1, respectively. I'm going to go. There's a lot of draws in these big games. There is a lot of draws. But. I'm going to go for a 2-0 Liverpool win or a 2-1 Liverpool win, maybe. I think Liverpool score first. City open up and Liverpool catch them on the counter. And then either City spend the remainder of the game just laying siege to the Liverpool goal and not scoring, or they get one and fall short. But I'm going for the Liverpool win. It may be biased. I don't care. It's my birthday. I can do what I want. <laughs> so I'm picking a Liverpool win, and I'll hear no more about it. Absolutely. And I hope you're bloody right, Dave. So uh, do I. Yeah. So do I. Let's get this. <laughs> let's get this year started well. Fingers crossed. Rightio, we leave it there for today, guy. Thank you as always, folks. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Bye bye. Podcast Network.